What's going on, everybody? It's that time again, the All Sooners Podcast, post-game edition. It's 110, which actually isn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I told uh, my wife, I, I said, like, 3, 4 a.m. Probably my, was my <laughs> target. So 110 is ahead of the game. So I'm okay with that. Oklahoma beat Kent State tonight 33-3. Weird game in a lot of ways. We're going to break it down. John Hoover, Ryan Chapman, myself, Josh Galloway. Guys, how we feel? We've done, I think we've done later. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Bedlam was really late. Yeah. That's the one that sticks out of my brain. I blame Lincoln Riley. <laughs> also, the Alamo Bowl. Well, the Alamo Bowl we did in the car. Because that, that game <laughs> that game was like 1 a.m. when it ended. Like, that yeah. game was outrageous. Well, we also had the day. weird balloon popping incident in uh, San Antonio with the lovely oh, yeah. Alamo Bowl staff. I We're just no like, what are, we, what are we doing right now? <laughs> They're just running golf carts I through forgot the field about that. in the balloons. That was a weird night. <laughs> Caleb Williams, what a time. What a time to be alive. Yeah. But the current team is 2-0. My prediction that Oklahoma will go undefeated lives for another week. <laughs> Sooners get it, the job done. They won easily on the scoreboard. Sort of. But the first half, what a weird game. Let's just start right off the top. You know, the obvious slow start. I mean, the first two cores of this game, I, don't, I mean, I don't think anybody ever really thought Oklahoma was going to lose, but there was a while where on a weird day in college football where AM lost to Appalachian State, and um, where Nebraska lost Georgia Southern. What was it? Oh, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame lost Marshall. to Marshall. Like, mm-hmm. we, everyone was kind of looking at each other like, what's happening? Is this going to happen? Yeah. That's and Oklahoma turned on in the second half. But what a weird first half that was where Oklahoma just defensively was fine, but offensively yeah. couldn't do anything. A quarter and a half, it was tied 0 0. Uh, eight and a half minutes, I guess they kicked their field goal. And they were leading 3 nothing going in. Kent State was going into halftime until. Dylan Gabriel goes five for five and and lights up the the field for the first time all night. There was a couple of three and outs in there. There was some dropped passes, some missed blocks, some missed throws, running backs running into guys instead of running around them, going down on first contact. Nothing was going right for the offense. It was 0-0. All of a sudden it was 3-0. All of a sudden it was right before halftime. 18 seconds left to go in the first half. Uh, Marvin Mims to the rescue and literally – he swoops out of nowhere like friggin' Dudley Do Right. I mean, just sweeps. <laughs> I mean, saves the saves the day. You know, uh, Dylan Gabriel and Jeff Lebby put their heads together and said, hmm, "How do we get the ball to him more often?" And they did, and that's what uh, ended up winning the game for Oklahoma. Oklahoma, uh, uh, Marvin Mims rather seven catches, 162 yards, 163 yards, whatever that number was. A uh, couple of touchdowns, cu- couple of career highs for him. The defense played very well. There were times where you were wondering, what's the defense doing? But then you look up, and like Reggie Grimes said, at the end of the day, we only give up three points. And Justin Harrington said, three points for a football game is not a bad day at the office. No, you're going to win a lot of games if you give up three points. Yeah, it was uh, – for a while there in the first half, I think what – so the offense was awful in the first half, just dreadful. On top of everything you mentioned that was going wrong, Dylan Gabriel was also on a couple of those early sacks. Dylan Gabriel held the ball for too long, so I don't know if that was Dylan Gabriel missing wide receivers. I won't know that until we can kind of watch the game back. But in the moment, it just felt like Dylan Gabriel held the ball too long and then a little delayed blitz action was hitting home. 
Um, and then, yeah, like, like you mentioned, Oklahoma needed that hurry-up moment where it was three straight balls to Marvin Mims, which uh, Britt Venables described after the game as basically Marvin Mims was on the near side. When you're trying to clock it that quickly, you're going to be looking to the guy on the near side. It was two little uh, out routes to the sideline, and on that last one, he kind of got bumped at the line, just ran straight through, and, and Dylan Gabriel put just a ball that was absolute money, letting go leaving everyone going, where was that for a whole half of football? So that's really concerning. I thought the offensive line was really bad in the first half. Um, I don't understand. So Anton Harrison and Tyler Guyton flip sides, right? So I asked Jeff Levy on Monday, you put Anton Harrison at right tackle against UTEP, let Tyler Guyton ride at left. What was the reasoning behind that? And he said, okay, so Anton Harrison's had the starts. He's the one that's been experienced. So we decided to move him over to right tackle because Tyler Guyton's worked mostly at left tackle. Tonight, he was asked, why did you flip those guys? And he said, well, Anton Harrison started all of his career games at left tackle and Tyler <laughs> Guyton worked a little at right tackle during camp. So the literally exact opposite of what we were told on Monday. What does which, that tell you? They're searching for answers. Correct. Correct. Uh, what, what that tells you is Wanya Morris is going to start at right tackle against Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> Big time. Yeah, Brent Venable uh, said that he expects him to be back. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's going to be in there. Um, the, the, the thing about the two-minute drill at the end of the half, team, think about it. Teams practice the two-minute drill, and it's do this, do this, do this, do this. Don't think about anything. Just do these processes. Finish these processes, and we'll be at the other end of the field before you know it. I think when they try to go tempo – Early on, in the when it's not a two-minute drill at the end of the half, when they try to go tempo, I think they're out thinking themselves and they're out like uh, looking for get, need to know what the protection scheme is and who's coming and who's the mic and uh, which corners go, you know has, has got the the wide side. Uh, stop thinking too much, and that's what you see what happens. I mean, it's like okay, one, two, three, touchdown, we're done. Yeah, it was that simple. They just—it's a two-minute drill that you practice a million times in the preseason, and at the end of every probably uh, two Wednesday practice, I think you probably drill that a bunch of times. When you don't have to think, you can react, and I think you saw the result. Does the 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 run game tonight concern you guys? I mean, obviously the, the stats end up being okay. Um, you had yeah. a long run from Eric Gray that was 44 yard that makes him look a lot better. Even with that 44 yard, still under four yards per carry same total. With, same as last week, the 46 right. yard skews the uh, right skews the average. And in the first half, it was running into a wall yeah. of nothing, and they they didn't get away from it. They stayed with it. They were committed to trying to run the ball, and it just wasn't happening uh, in that first half at all. What, what it was? It, it was seven yards, right? Seven Se- yards. Seven yards rushing in the first half, which I mean, again, that should never happen. We mentioned obviously. this in the post game wrap, but by comparison, Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman, Justin Broyles, all three of those guys. One uh, Stutzman, I believe, had nine tackles at halftime. Bowman and Broyles had seven tackles yeah. at halftime. Oklahoma had seven yards rushing at halftime. Yeah. Uh, I was pretty underwhelmed by the offensive line play last week. Yep. It did not get any better this nope. week. Nope. And Eric Gray didn't look like a feature back in the first half. Marcus, I don't really think Eric Gray looked like a feature back in the second half, frankly. Uh, Marcus Major looked really good. I tried to ask Jeff Lubby about Marcus Major, what kind of loosened up, and he pivoted to Eric Gray, <laughs> which was yeah. interesting. Uh, he basically said that uh, there was a play in the first half that Eric Gray had the same scenario, ran to a tackle, got four yards. Then that play in the second half that he 
busted off, got the same look, made a cut, and it was a 44-yard play, basically. So he's like, he was praising the stick and the ability to make those adjustments, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Majors looked at the best running back on the team by far uh, through two games, and he's gotten half the carries of Major, which right. I, or uh, Gray, excuse me, which I think is a problem that needs to be addressed yeah. going to Lincoln, especially if the O-line is going to play like this. This defense, remember, the, the Kent State defense last year, I know this year, last year, two different years, right? But last year, this defense ranked 116th in the country in run defense. 116th, and also 116th in pass defense. And they were getting yeah. after Dylan Gabriel. They were making him throw the ball into places he didn't want to throw. Uh, it, the, the, you got to take your hat off to Kent State for playing as hard as they did on defense in the first half. That was impressive. But 124th in scoring, 124th in total defense. There's uh, there's a lot that this Oklahoma offense has got to shaping up before they go to Nebraska next week. Yeah, Marcus Major got four less carries than Javante Barnes in this game, mm. um, which obviously – some of that was toward the end of the game, but still, uh, Javante Barnes nine carries, Marcus Major just the five, and you know it sure seems like as Baylor goes down to BYU, Baylor Shapen just Shapen's looks awful. Like we've only watched fourth quarter and overtime here as we work, but Shapen's look terrible. Not as bad as their kickers though. Correct, a lot both, of misfuel. Both kickers very bad. Future Big Twelve rivals. BYU. Baylor got him last year. BYU gets him back. Beats so, uh, Baylor twenty six twenty. Real time. Certified fresh. Yeah, certified fresh. Anybody <laughs> watching this already knows that. They're saying shut up. We we that's been done. But uh yeah, I mean it's Marcus Major, I agree. I and mean, he's looked the best of the of the bunch in the first couple of games. And we've only really seen him, Gray and Barnes, obviously. They haven't really used used Todd Walker a little bit tonight. That's been it. I haven't seen Sawchuck yet or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't really know what to say about the running game right now because to whose point, this Kent State defense it's early. It's early in this season, but kind of stink and well, uh, didn't didn't have it tonight. Here's another red flag for me too. So Brent Venables talked about it specifically after the game. He said that that's a Kent State's defensive front is a front they hadn't seen before, and they had to get in to make some adjustments. Okay, that's fine. You can't take 30 minutes to make that kind of adjustment. Yeah. You, if if that is. Nebraska doesn't have a front that's worth anything really defensively, but if that's Nebraska's front, if sure as heck not Kansas State in yeah. two weeks, like you cannot take 30 minutes to, to find life. The defense played awesome yeah. tonight, and we're going to get into that, but you can't do that. I asked Andrew Rame after the game, why did it take 30 minutes? Like, why did that get all the way into halftime? And he was like, well, there were some uh, different rush angles that they were throwing at you. So I was like, okay, again. That's not a that's that's a two or three drive thing. That's right. not an entire first half thing. That to me is a, a big big red flag. If that's how slow the adjustments yeah. are, yeah, they need to the be offense. able to correct on the fly, not say, "Well, we'll fix that at halftime." Whatever they're doing to us, that so we'll fix yeah. it at halftime. That's not acceptable at all. Yeah, the halftime adjustments were good. They obviously. were good. They were they, great because they came out in the second half and uh, looked like a different team uh, offensively. And obviously, a huge part of that was Marvin Mims. What a, I mean, what a night. This was kind of the game tonight that I think most people thought Marvin Mims would have in the first game. You know, yeah. and just come out. He needs to have this kind of game every game. Seven catches, seven targets. Yeah. They caught every time. 163 yards, two touchdowns, a couple of bombs down the field. He feels, and it's been UTEP and Kansas State, but we saw it this freshman year. We saw it at times last year when they threw him the ball. He feels like over the top he can – Obviously, he can't. It's football. But it feels like he can get it almost anytime he wants it. Like – if if he has one on one, it's almost like scrap and replay all you have. Mm-hmm. Mims is out there one on one and let it fly because he was absolutely feasting in this game. 
You see that bug fly on my nose? <laughs> it, it's a it's a bug week. If you watch the the rap, the midweek rap, it's been a big week for bugs. For well, us. here's the problem: it's pouring rain out here, which is why this podcast is going to go long because yeah. uh, Hoove and I don't have jackets or umbrellas, <laughs> uh, and the rain's picked up. I so got the a bugs, wagon. The bugs are now in here. I got a wagon. Is it covered? No. You have a schooner ha- no. heading somewhere. The no. rain, man. It's going to be full of water when we get back. <laughs> to the car. Maybe to finally wash off the K-State mud. Oh, no, I tried, and it's not coming off. <laughs> there forever. <laughs> K-State hill mud. <laughs> Stay away from Bramlage, people. But, yeah, I mean, Marvin Mims, the, I feel like this was the game that – so we've talked about this, right, in the offseason. If you went in and, and dove deep and watched a ton of Ole Miss stuff, there were times last year where, where Jeff Levy's offense at Ole Miss, the thing that was encouraging, it was like if something happened and the defense didn't look like they could stop it, Levy was just going to run that play over and over and over again until the defense stopped it. Yeah. Didn't really see that against UTEP. He didn't really need it. But the last three plays of the first half, boom, 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 those three catches uh, down to Marvin Mims like we talked about. The first two plays of the second half, I think it was a seven-yard catch for Mims, and then the other deep shot um, to, to start the second half that resulted in the pass interference. And then finally they opted for stoops, and that broke the trend of – Five straight plays for Marvin Mims, and from that moment on, the offense looked like the offense we saw against UTEP. The, the last, the, the only time it was stopped after that's when Davis Bevel was brought in. They intentionally like threw the e-brake on, basically. Yeah. Here's how you know things are bad. Mac, Michael Turk had a 24-yard punt. Not good. I mean, Oklahoma was literally their best player, and he shanked one. He, he's not perfect. He's a, he can he's human, yeah. but uh, that's when you know it's not your night. And uh, that was in the first half, second half. I don't even know if he punted in the second half, did he? I think he did. But, yeah, he did. A had to. Times. He had six yeah. punts, yeah, so yeah, he did. I don't think it was all the first half. Uh, but that just shows you, I mean, uh, things were things were struggling. Everybody was struggling in the first half. And you wonder, honestly, you wonder, you know, the skeptics, the fans, the cynics, whoever you want to say, uh, you wonder if they were prepping, doing a lot of looking ahead at Nebraska and Kansas State, for that matter. Right. But uh, here's the thing. What, what have we heard from Brent Venables all offseason long? A couple of things, right, but accountability, 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 that stuff, player-led, player-led, that stuff. The new theme we've kind of heard as we've gotten into game week is uh, every game week is focused on Oklahoma, right? So the UTEP game week, it's still about preparing for Oklahoma. The Kent State game week, it's all about if Oklahoma plays their best game, there's not a bunch of teams that are going to beat them. I'm sure we'll hear the same thing. Yeah, we're going to Nebraska. It's a good opponent, but it's still about Oklahoma. You can't play a first half like that. If you're going to be the accountability program offensively, you can't play a first half like that if you're focused on yeah. Oklahoma. like That just doesn't fly. I'm sorry. So uh, the defense, great. Uh, I thought that they kind of threw a little bend but don't break in the first half. Had the, obviously the missed field goal that helped him out. Kept him out of the end zone. It's the fewest points against an FBS team allowed since Kansas in 2017. So that's big time, obviously, right, for the defense. In the second half, I think they kind of turned it on to another level. In the first half, they had a couple of struggling to get off the field on third down. I think that you saw those adjustments were were made a lot quicker, right? Um, So so that's obviously the good to come out of this. Danny Stutzman was awesome. Billy Bowman was awesome. But uh, I – I don't want to hear the looking ahead to Nebraska if all we heard all offseason long was right. be accountable, be player-led, you got to pour in every day, all that stuff. You can't look ahead if, if that's going to be the other theme coming out of it, especially when it's your second game as a head coach. Brent Venable spent about four minutes in the postgame, though, Ryan, talking about how 
Bill Snyder used to practice every day. Every day at practice, they would prepare for Nebraska. So you got to wonder if it's in his DNA. He's out here going, hey, guys, I know we play Kent State this week, but here's our Nebraska plan in a couple of weeks. That's Just what's wonder. up next. And, yeah, we have a lot of time to talk about that. Uh, I bet Bill the, Snyder the didn't appreciate that. that. Team. Bill Snyder didn't appreciate him revealing that he was practicing <laughs> for Nebraska uh, every day. limitations. <laughs> it's old. Well, you can it, move on with here's it. Here's the other thing with that, though. If Brent Venables walks in and says, hey, we prepare every day to beat Alabama, okay, you're preparing every day to beat one of the best programs in the country. Preparing every day to beat this Nebraska yep. team? Yep. Yeah. You, you can't look ahead. To, maybe that's what I left out. You can't look ahead to this Nebraska team that's right. that just gave up a Memorial Stadium record to Georgia Southern as far uh, as total Georgia yards go. What a train wreck that team is. <laughs> so obviously, you know, the, the obvious – the bat is obvious tonight. Slow start, rough offense. And, uh, you know, if you remove the fourth quarters from each game because they were in hand, they played six quarters of meaningful football, if you want to call it that. And the offense looked pretty good for pretty much that entire UTEP, but didn't have it for the first two quarters tonight. So you're looking at, you know, four pretty good quarters and two not so good. So we'll see what uh, what they put out there next week against Nebraska. Obviously, look at the defense. Like Ryan said, defense was great. I don't really know what – you don't have much to complain about. I mean, you give up three points, you give up three points. And they got a missed field goal in there, but forced a couple turnovers. Can't say never got in the end zone. Like Ryan said, Danny Stutzman was everywhere tonight, it seems like. He is uh, – and we already knew this, but he's he's a star. He's a stud. Um, he had a great freshman season. Brent Venables loves him. He lights up when he talks about him. And <laughs> So does Roof. So does Roof. Um, and he was, he, was, he was a maniac in this game. And, yeah, forced a couple turnovers, and you liked – do you like the guys who who did it with Bowman stripping that ball and recovering it, and then Harrington getting the the uh, interception? And but for the most part, I mean, I thought, I mean, you give it three points. I, I thought everybody pretty much. I mean, Jeffrey Johnson was in there. Jalen Redmond, Richie Grimes continues to be yeah, it was a train wreck. Johnson uh, in a good and, way. And uh, Isaiah Coe got a bunch of playing time together early, side yeah. by side. They went with the beef in between, and that was good. But you're right, Stutzman, twelve tackles, nine solos, four. Tackles for loss, had a quarterback sack. Jeez. Um, I'm going to make my prediction, Big 12 Player of the Week. I Simple. think that uh, Prep the story. That's right. We've buried the lead here. Uh, Danny Stutzman, incredible, right? Four tackles for loss, all that stuff. A sack, 12 tackles. Then he walks into the Red Room after the game in his general booty merch. He's got a booty T-shirt on. He, he, he literally uh. is, like, sitting down in a chair just as relaxed as can be. He's got four or five reporters around him with the phones, all that stuff, and he's just sitting back just like, ah, yes, <laughs> I am a true sophomore playing my I don't second know. game of my sophomore season. I don't know if you guys could hear it up here, but there was a little bit of a We Want Booty chant yeah, at the end of the game. We heard it. You get yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So, well, who doesn't? The, the day I mean, he, really, <laughs> who doesn't want booty? The, the day he gets in – it's going to be a, an eruption in that stadium if that ever happens. It's going to be tough. Cause <laughs> gonna, they're not booing. They're chanting booty. <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. But uh, that, put a bow on Stutzman. I think, too, the other thing is uh, it wasn't like Danny Stutzman was also just, like, compiling, like, racking up a bunch of, like, assists by being the, the second guy or anything like that. Like, nine t- solo Solos, tackles. yeah. Obviously, one of those tackles for loss was that fourth and one where yep. – uh, Kent State had just slipped into the red zone. I think they were on the 18-yard line. And, and so uh, he was coming up in big moments, which is a big response from a guy that had a really good game last week, really good game last week. But if you want to flip it, he also 
was very close to maybe a pick six, but definitely a really impactful pick. Uh, Britt Venables, I don't know if singled him out's the right word, but he had used him as an example as like they wanted to, to adjust um, some of the mental errors. And he's like that holding on that fourth down that extended a drive. That was Danny Stutzman. Basically, he said you don't need to be holding against UTEP was essentially the vibe of that. <laughs> so to come out and play, I'm sure once we watch it back, there might be something you can nitpick. But like, I felt like he didn't put a foot wrong tonight. And I think that's a big-time response from a guy that had a really good game in week one and then took it to another level in week two, which is just really exciting for when you look at the guys that are leading the charge tonight, Stutzman, Bowman, true sophomores. Five, uh, you want something else to pick on? Five five quarterback sacks in two games for the opposing defenses uh, that Oklahoma's faced. And guess those those opposing defenses were UTEP and Kent State. You're going to face better ones. You're going to face (laughs) a lot better defenses starting next week and especially the week after that when they play Kansas State. That can't continue. I, I seem to remember, and you guys correct me, hit me on Twitter, at Johnny Hoover, if I'm wrong. Please hit me on Twitter or the comment section down below, whatever. I seem to remember 2008, Sam Bradford was sacked eight times. Does that sound right? In the entire season going to, uh, going to Miami for the national championship game. So there is some, there's some, uh, such a thing as a uh, championship offensive line, and then there's a, such a thing as an offensive line that is an absolute work in progress. 100%, and that's got to be, and if you want to pinpoint one cons- biggest concern, that probably is it uh, right now for Oklahoma through a couple games. To finish the conversation on the defense, um, it's two games. It's UTEP and it's Kent State, so you want to preface that. They've looked really good. They've tackled pretty good. They was a little sloppy tonight. Coaches didn't really love the tackling yeah. you know, in the first half. Ted Roof and them and uh, Venables were both pretty critical of that. But still, at the end of the day, you have three points. Had a lot, a lot of tackles for loss and stuff again. Are you guys willing to say that this is a good defense at this point? Is it still an unfinished product? Like, would you? I mean, where are you at in the state of this defense? If they went against a legit offense, a high-powered one, would it be rough, or do you think they could hold their own? Because I mean, through two games, they look pretty. I mean, they're swarming to the ball. They forces of turnovers. Somewhere physical. between what you just said, I think they're a good defense, and I think they're a work in progress. I think that both those things can be true. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree to that. I'm. Because, I mean, you think about it, okay, if they tackle like they did in the first half tonight against K-State, for instance, with Deuce Vaughn and, and Martinez coming yeah, in, K-State house. probably puts 14, 17 points on the board in the first half. But if they play like they did in the second half and you've got Billy Bowman rallying to the football, you've got uh, Justin Harrington coming up with the interception, and, again, save a couple of third downs, and a lot of that tackling happened on third downs. Yeah. Um, in the first half, I think the defense played pretty well. Um, so I, I think kind of what Hoove said, Working toward being a pretty good defense, but it's just so hard. Um, I I know that Kent State, this team, came in here, put up a good fight. I still don't think it's a good football team. They got run by Washington last week. Yeah. Uh, a Washington team was they, they did put some points on the board. It was 31-13 at halftime last week in Seattle. Yeah. They gave up 31 points in the first half. They gave up three tonight, or seven tonight. At yeah. the end of the first half, yeah, can't so. say defense. Yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, you're not gonna win that argument for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes uh, moving forward. As far as injuries tonight, Key Lawrence didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweaked his hamstring. Brent Venable said during the week, didn't really say. He said, "I hope we get him back," but he didn't really know. Uh, sounds like. And then Marcus Stripling left this game. 
pretty early. I don't know. Did he ever come back I in? I think he played the second half, didn't he? Um, I didn't notice he was in the second half. I know that on the broadcast they had just pointed out that he was on the bike trying to work it out, basically. Okay. I, yeah, he went to the locker room. It was relatively early in the game, so that's something to keep an eye on, too. But, yeah, Key Lawrence is out or missed tonight's game. Brent Venables didn't sound great about him coming back immediately. He said hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. Um, if if Key Lawrence is out, I mean, how how big is how significant is that? I mean, he's you know a starter on this defense, somebody who we talked about in the preseason as being really important. Um, if he misses time, how big a deal is that? I thought it was good tonight for Oklahoma's defense that they they were missing arguably their best safety, one of their best defensive players, um, and didn't really miss that much of a beat and yeah. made those adjustments. Last week they played two safeties. They played two high safeties for the most part every every snap, for the most part. Uh, this week they were rotating. They were going high-low, uh, back and forth. Uh, they brought in six DBs at one point. Most of the time they played with five DBs. Uh, they, as Ted Roof said tonight, they threw in some wrinkles. They had, uh, made some adjustments, and they threw in some defensive tweaks to last week's game plan. I said, is that uh, endemic of Kent State? And the game plan that you have to have for Kent State, or is that just the natural evolution of this defense? And he said, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, he said, uh, this is just the way the defense is, is evolving. And he said, yes, there is some game planning that goes into it week to week, but for the most part, the the stuff that we saw tonight has been in for a while, and they just decided to roll it out tonight. Yeah, I, I thought Justin Bros played really well tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking back, trying to figure out, is there a better – Justin Broyles game the last couple of years of his career? Because even when he's come in uh, toward the back end of last season, he came in and kind of took over that nickel corner spot um, for or the nickel back for, for Billy Bowman after Billy Bowman had been moved around. He played okay, but I, I thought tonight, like, you didn't notice Justin Broyles at all. Yeah. And usually, I don't want to be harsh, but usually when OU fans are harping on Justin Broyles, it's because they're noticing him for plays that they don't think are great. And I don't yeah. think you had any of those moments, really, tonight. At least none of them stick out to me. So I thought that was really encouraging uh, from a guy that we know always steps up into that leadership role. Uh, but Key Lawrence didn't have a ton to do last week. I think that was due to the fact that, like you mentioned, who they were playing too high, and Billy Bowman was kind of the guy that was usually up in the box a lot more than Key Lawrence. So I think he only had three tackles last week. But we saw all last year. You get Key Lawrence around the football, and good things happen. They just do. And... So, yeah, I think that, that you absolutely, absolutely have to have Key Lawrence back by K-State, for sure. Otherwise, that could become uh, kind of a question mark. But, again, I, I thought Justin Bros played really well tonight. And uh, you, you, that is more safety depth yeah. than we've yeah. ever saw under Alex Grinch because it was DTY yep. and Pat Fields, and that was it. What just think of the lights? The lights in the, in the atmosphere uh, in this cool. game. It was cool. seemed to fire the fans up. The players loved it. The players got. Questions it seemed to be about divisive. It. You think so? From from I, I hated it from the, a photography the, standpoint. The fans in the stadium, in my opinion, ate it up. It was it was the best atmosphere for an OU game like this one. It was yeah a blowout against Kent State. I mean, the fourth quarter it was basically still packed in here, and it was electric. Actually, the crowd was really into it. Yep. Students were here, by the way. I mean, people. We talked about it last week on the post-game show. It cooled off. People really dumped on the students for leaving early. We talked about, yes, they leave early a lot. That probably wasn't the best time to talk about it because it was so hot. Mm-hmm. We were having heat strokes and stuff like that. Tonight it was borderline cold in the it, second it half. It got nippy. And it was full. I mean, it was full and it was electric. The light things. 
Although they were kind of cool. I mean, New LED lights, if you're wondering, if you haven't heard. If you saw Oklahoma's, the game on TV. Oklahoma replaced all I their light standards in the corners, right, with brand new LED lights. Yeah, so I'm not. I mean, they I guess. They look great. They're casting amazing light. The, the light for the videos, the highlight videos it, that Josh is going to post, primo. Definitely brighter. But when there, they, yeah. they score a touchdown, they cut the lights like we're at some dance hall. And it's like <laughs> I'm standing there with a camera, and I'm like, wait a minute. Where did everybody go? You, know, you can't see anything with the camera. That's my, I guess, criticism yeah. is that camp photographers are like, I want to get touchdown celebrations, and you guys kill the lights for the touchdown celebrations? Yeah, I don't know how much of it was shown on the broadcast. I mean, I'll, we also were at the game. I, I honestly don't know. But, I mean, in between quarters, it was basically a rave out there. Bro, <laughs> I mean, I was lights were down. I was about to say, lights. clear out. We're talking raves. This is Ryan's time. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been more disappointed to not just happen to be field level than it was before one of the kickoffs in the third quarter where they cut the lights, everyone in the stadium has their iPhone camera out with like the it was flashlight, wild. people were getting down, cool. and I was up here in the press box just like, get me out of here. I didn't my, know where I was. My, I, was I like, stepped into a different world for <laughs> a while. They've done that for a couple of years now, though, haven't they, with the third quarter break and the cell phone lights out, everybody's got their cell yeah, phone Yeah, not with the lights off, Not with the lights off, though. Yeah, because you can turn the old lights yeah, off. Yeah, with the LED lights, they can go off and on just like okay. that. So so yeah, by being it, you can cut them. And uh, look, I'll tell you, the kick coverage team was eating it up. Like that was an, <laughs> like the players in the post juice, like, man. The players in the post game. Andrew yeah. Ram was like, "That's something I've seen at Alabama for the last two or three yeah. years, and I want Georgia it. Like, does it? Right? Yeah. And, and look, so. here's the reality too for the olds out there. I'm. They had a lot of recruits here. I bet they all thought it was awesome. Yep. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say they all probably thought that was really, really cool. Did, Brett Venables had a funny, what did he say? He was like, that was kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> He's an old school guy, so you know that. But he also probably gets it, you know, that he got it. So I, I thought it was cool. You know, the OU game day experience for fans has been under question, yes. you know, for a, a while. Especially with, like, fans leaving early and stuff like that. People wondering, do they do a good enough job? Are they SEC ready? I think that tonight was a good step. And look, it means nothing when you have a day game. Yeah. They did the, they, last right. week. We saw none of this. We didn't see it at all. Yeah. So it, you're, you're the at deal. the mercy of your kick time. But here's I thought this was pretty cool. Here's my suggestion: If you have epilepsy, maybe whatever avoid. that situation is, <laughs> if you see a guy going in for the touchdown, I don't know. Do you close your eyes? You know, cover yeah. your eyes. I don't know. Well, and that's being serious. If it's a, if flashing lights are a problem for you, if they make you dizzy, make you seize, or pass out, or whatever. It's 2022. The lights are going to flash when Oklahoma scores a touchdown. Well, I, to, on that note, I, there was a weird Twitter fight that was happening. But also, for years, the the video board is massive, and the video board has flashing mm-hmm. animations anyway. So even when the lights are on, they're still flashing and stuff. So, yes, I'm sure that there is some sort of compliance and all that stuff, but I don't really think that's kind of what you're worried about going to a college football game. But you mentioned the atmosphere. This is where it does play in, Right. If you read allseniors.com, you were there. You read our recruiting story that dropped Friday at 6 p.m. Uh, if you didn't read it, you're missing out. Go to allseniors.com. Big recruiting weekend. You've got Jordan Renault in. Who's Jordan Renault picking between? Oklahoma and Alabama. What did he watch, likely, or hear about, or see all the highlights cut on Twitter? An Alabama team scraping by to survive in Austin when Hudson Card, the backup quarterback, is playing, right? Right. You've got Peyton Bowen in. Peyton Bowen is and a Eli. Notre Dame commit, and Eli Bowen. But Peyton Bowen right now, the 2023, mm-hmm. Eli Bowen's 2024, not committed. Peyton Bowen is committed to Notre Dame, yep. who got embarrassed by Marshall today. 
who are some of the other people that are still pursuing but him heavily? Texas A&M, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who got embarrassed by Appy State. So to come here on a game, on a night game, against Kent State where things didn't go well in the first half, right? put on a show in the third quarter, and for this stadium to still be full and juiced, and if the lights added to that, that matters in a big way to recruits that you have in. Does that mean that Bowen's going to flip to Oklahoma because of the lights? <laughs> no. No. Yeah, right, right. But put it all, all together. of those little things, you put it all together, and, and that's – it's the whole package, and uh, stuff like stuff like that will end up mattering uh, uh, in the long run. The the whole the, the, cr- the scope of it. Josh mentioned the crowd being juiced all the way through the middle of the fourth quarter before they finally wound down and started emptying out. That matters too, you know. Yeah. Those players look up in the in the stands if they're still here in the fourth quarter, and see people standing there, you know, doing the the scoreboard, fist pumping with the cheerleaders or whatever it is. Singing along with you know the the flashlights, whatever that is, absolutely it matters. Those kids love that stuff. Yeah, fan had, engagement is everything. It's I not had, everything. It's, it's huge. I had the thought. I was like, man, if this is obviously it had it had to have happened, and in probably a, a lot of cases of it. But if this was your first OU game, you'd never been to a game. It's your first game ever as a fan. You have no idea. Like, yeah. you stepped into light show, and they didn't score for almost two full quarters. And, like, what a crazy first game. Because I, I remember whenever I was switching ends of the field between the third and fourth quarter, between the entire third and fourth quarter, the lights were off that whole time. And they were, like, <laughs> flashing them and, and stuff like that. And I just was thinking, like, this is not – I'm not at an OU game right now. This is something completely different. It, it felt it felt like there's this is a new – New era of OU football completely. They have really overhauled everything. Um, and so what a wild game uh, this was on that that regard. But uh, different feel, different vibe, different feel uh, tonight for sure. So I guess to kind of, as we start to kind of wind down on this, I guess concern level, I, I don't know better best way to word it, about the slow start. I mean, are, are you more, are you glass half full of, wow, look at how they responded. They still they played like their C game for a lot of this, D game, and they still won by 30. Um, or are you more like that first qu- half was so concerning that, that you know, they might be taking some, some losses this year? I mean, wh- which way do you lean on? But yeah, again, I think a little bit of both. I think the, the first half was very concerning. I think this, the adjustments they made at halftime uh, and at the end of the first half were impressive uh, for young coaching staff and a, and a Fairly inexperienced team. Brent Venables has said it a hundred times. Forty percent of this roster has never worn an OU uniform before. Daniel Parker, welcome to the game. Two catches in Couple the first, of catches. first quarter. I think he had two catches. So uh, that's just an example of guys coming in. Not his first game. He missed last week. Right. Guys coming in not knowing exactly what to expect from the coaches, the coaching staff, the game plan, the opponent, the crowd, the the atmosphere. Uh, being at an Oklahoma game. And, you know, guys overcame that. Um, Brent Venable said we faced a little good adversity tonight. Nice catch by J.J. Astor tonight, too. A little good adversity. What does that mean? It means they kind of needed to get socked in the jaw a little bit. And uh, especially when you consider, okay, they only gave up three points, but that three points came at the end of a 15-play, 72, four-and-a-half-minute drive. Like, get off the damn field (laughs) for, you know, finally. And they they couldn't do it until they forced a field goal, but. Uh, that's how close they were to a shutout. If they get just one stop some point during that 15th play drive, uh, this thing's a shutout. And everybody's probably a little happier. Yeah, I uh, 
about a six level of concern. Wasn't stoked with the run game coming out of game one. Uh, guys, sure. not trying to bring up ghosts, but Dylan Gabriel through two games has shown us that he is nowhere close talent level to the guy that finished the year starting at quarterback for Oklahoma last year. If the defense doesn't, uh, again, and, and we're projecting toward playing actual teams, like good teams in the Big 12, teams that got good pass rushes, I haven't seen anything that shows me that Dylan Gabriel is going to be able to put this team on his arm if the defense has an off night. Um, and, and so I think that's pretty concerning that uh, the run game has just looked so lethargic outside of one or two big pops. Uh, now, if you get those one or two big pops every game, that's no issue, right? But uh, with the what, what the way that Jeff Lloyd wants to run this offense, I think you want to be consistently in that four, five where I'd rather see them get four or five yards per carry where their biggest run is 20 yards than having to have a 40-yard run to get you there. Um, don't think it'll be a problem next week, although I think we should just chalk that up to a one-score game because Nebraska just loses one-score games left, right. right, and center. That's not anything to do with Oklahoma. That's just some weird Nebraska voodoo they've got going on. But, like, K-State, you're telling me that defensive front comes in and it's Dylan Gate. Like they're not going to be if they play like they played tonight. They're not going to be able to run the ball in K State. And I'm not sure that uh, if the defense doesn't lock down and play like tonight, that Dylan Gabriel's going to be money to do that against K State, Baylor, Oklahoma State. When you talk about just all the good fronts they're going to see, if Texas's front plays like they played today against Alabama, like there's a couple of losses in there probably. It, it, that's if you get first half OU run game like you got tonight. But there's still plenty of time. You're bringing in a, a new offensive lineman into the fold in Wanya Morris. So mm. I'm very open to taking a step back and saying, what does this unit look like when you've got your best five on the field? Right. Absolutely. So that that's going to change things up. If Texas plays like they did today and Oklahoma plays like they did today on October 9th? 8th. 8th? 8th, yeah. Uh, Texas probably going to win that game. We're doing it. I'm just saying. It's so it's so Texas hard. was darn impressive today. We got, we're doing this the early season college football thing where it's just it's so hard. The Notre Dame Ohio State last week it was Ohio State what a nice win pulling that out. And Notre Dame loses to Marshall at home today and everybody's like Ohio State may stink. You know <laughs> I mean the change is week to week. All we know is the fun belt is back. Yeah. The fun belt big is night back for the in a big belt. way. Big night for the fun belt. Um, yeah, they were somebody made. I saw Josh Pate, who does a great job. He joked, like, who pissed off the Sun Because <laughs> they, they were just taking no prisoners tonight. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, you know, we're, it remains to be seen on that Alabama-Texas game if that was an indictment on Alabama having a really bad game or maybe they're not as good as we're used to Alabama being or Texas actually is pretty good. We'll find out. And also, I would remind people, too, 20, I guess that was 19, 2019, LSU, who just killed everybody all year. The only game they even came really close to losing yep. was Texas. Yep. That Texas team wasn't any good either. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll let it play out. Quinn Ewers might be hurt. I don't know. So, we'll, we'll let that play out. But, yeah, you're, you're correct, though. As far as what we saw today, Texas is going to be uh, a challenge. It's going to be a fun game, um, for sure. Always is, but uh, here in a few weeks. All right, uh, play of the game. Wrap up. We did that last week. We'll try and continue to do that. Um, could it be a guy by the name of Marvin Mims, maybe? Not bad. Is that fair? That's not Is that a bad. fair one? I mean, I'm really hung up on the seven targets. All set, like, he's got to be in the locker room, like, you see what happens when you throw me the ball? Yeah, needs, All seven. He needs 12. 12 a game. 30? I don't think that's What's asking matter? too many. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's really only two candidates for this. Offense, Marvin. Defense, Stutzman. And I think that uh, the defense awesome. was awesome, but Marvin Mims had to be the spark for this offense, and finally they got going, and then all of a sudden, 24-point third quarter, and, and boom. Uh, it goes from 
what is wrong with the Oklahoma offense, though? Oh, you might cover with ease still by the end of the third quarter. So they obviously got it in the gear and got it rolling. But, again, we're trying to project toward actual football teams, and you can't just yeah. – lay down on one half of the football for a whole 30 minutes and then be like, all right, let's show up and play one half of offense. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma's a good team. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Yeah. They have not covered. Did they cover the first? Yeah, they covered last week. Okay, so I got got a different – I got a different – I got like the hook against UTEP. Yeah. Got me. I – It was 31. I made my pick earlier. It was 31 and a half when I made my pick. and They They won by 32. They won by 32. So it was 32 and a half when I made my pick. That's what ah, it was. I see. It, the I hook see. got me. It was 32 and a half. I see. Yeah. Yeah. No, Marvin Mims. I mean, Marvin Mims saved the offense in a sense tonight. I mean, they pretty much it was that dry right before the half. They were just, they were giving Marvin Mims the sideline. He was like, okay. And then they got him over the top and they just found it after that. So I would love, I really, the way they came out and played that third quarter, to me, it was such a like, Embarrassed by the way the first half went, I I would I would really like to hear what the coach was said at halftime and what Brent said because I imagine it wasn't pretty. Uh, you know, I, I assume there's probably some yelling. It was uh, spearheaded by Levy. I, I was told that the, the halftime adjustment talk on offense clearly the OC was spearheaded by Levy, and uh, there there we'll have. Uh, Sunday on all suitors rolling about noon, and we'll we'll have uh, you know what Dylan Gabriel said about the demeanor of the locker room, what Marvin Mims said about the demeanor. Yeah. It's, it sounded like it was very very cool, calm, collected. Uh, but I can tell you that Jeff Levy was colorful in delivering that coolness, that calmness, sure. and uh, collecting them back. Well, together. we heard him last week: three punts, three punts too many, and yeah. then you come out tonight and you put up a goose egg for the large. I th- I mean. They got that late score, but I mean, there it was. It was all reality for a while that Oklahoma was going to get shut out in the first half at home by Kent State. It was. I mean, that's insane. Now they ended up winning easily, but it, this game was was weird for a while. And what was a really weird uh, day for college football? By the way, scoreboard update: they did not show USC Stanford. Boo! I was a little disappointed. I wanted to hear some boos rain down when whenever they showed Lincoln Riley up on well, the scoreboard. <laughs> USC did win comfortably. They covered. So the the selection of games they showed was weird. Game one was Houston and Tech. Game two Kentucky and Florida. Game three Tulsa. Game four Nebraska. Before uh, Georgia Southern had crossed the six hundred yard mark. Then game five Kansas and West Virginia. Like what a weird collection. They of They all kind of made sense because it was all Big Twelve. Nebraska who they play next week and then Tulsa. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean it, you kind of could see the thinking there. It, the, I guess. Oh, like OSU was in progress, and like the Cowboys were up, but it was like a it sit between like seven to ten. Like feel like it makes sense to plug them in for Tulsa, but it, anyway. Moral next, story. Next week, Nebraska. They lost again today. If you uh, haven't seen that, <laughs> Georgia Southern. Forty-five, forty-two. Missed a field goal at the end. Missed a field goal at the end. Uh, the fans. It's like a sick enjoyment thing of the fans when that field goal misses. It's just like you see their the life leave their body. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough. They've just been through so much. Uh, first off, is Scott Frost coaching that game? Yeah. Yeah. You think he's going to make it's it just because the, of the buyout? Well, buyout. Uh, the, it's October 1st, you said? Yeah, October, October 1st. That's the still ye- <laughs> three weeks away. The, the year's gone Can they already. take that? You yeah. know what I mean? The year's gone. So... If you, they got Big Ten play still ahead of them. Well, if, they haven't even played Big Ten teams. If yet. you're unaware, well, they played Northwestern yeah. and lost. Yeah, if you're unaware, Scott Frost's buyout is 15 million until October 1st, the it day goes to like of seven. So basically, they play Oklahoma next week. Obviously, then they're off. Then on October 1st, they play Indiana. I think. Um, 
And then on the first, it gets cut in half to seven and a half million. To which my running uh, joke slash theory tinfoil hat is that at 12.01 a.m. on the first, like the day of the Indiana game, they're going to call Scott Frost that morning and say, you're can't. And like an interim coach is going to take over the day of. Because like, no need to let that guy coach Is that game anything. at home, do you know? I think, it's, I think it's a home game, yeah. I, probably the perfect storm is just they play they literally play October first they lose and then that's it that's your final. I said they should have left him on the tarmac in Ireland. I mean that was really that's not a stretch. I mean there was no saving the season at that point. Their season is lose Northwestern, squeak it out against North Dakota. North Dakota, not North Dakota State, North Dakota, <laughs> and then lose Georgia Southern. Clay Helton, baby man, Clay Helton, the fighting Clay Helton. Clay Helton was wronged. <laughs> Do you think that? People will just clear out of the Nebraska press box that we can take as our podcast studio in Lincoln. I say we just podcast with, in the middle of like everybody. Yeah, just everybody just sit down and talk for yeah for just roast them for an. There hour. are a lot of people in this this state that will do that. Yes, <laughs> there are everywhere. actually. Hey, we'll just do that. no regard for people at all. On the bright side, we know it's going to be the cleanest press box around, as Brent Venable said. It's the cleanest stadium you'll be in, pretty much. Cleanest. And, and it, a weird memory of Nebraska, but also like the most Brent Venables memory to be like, hey, this place is really clean. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to it. Could large because those fans, as beat down as they are, how do they get how do they get up in the morning? <laughs> they're gonna get there and they're gonna be insane. You know they're gonna be into it. They're gonna be ready. They're gonna talk themselves into it. Uh, right now they're as low as they could be, but by Wednesday this week, because that's who they are, they're diehards, they'll talk themselves into like maybe Maybe we could do it. One of the few times I've ever stopped at a tailgate on the road was at Nebraska. People were just handing me food, plates of food, and I was stuffed before I ever got to the press box. I hope that experience still exists. It still exists now because that's going to be amazing. Those people are amazing. Yeah, I bet they get up for it. They get up 11 a.m.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big noon, baby. Taquitos, breakfast. Big noon. Well, you you have that exclusive with Urban Meyer that we uh, broke a couple of days ago. When, when, uh, for big noon, right? You're doing the, the Urban Meyer feature. We <laughs> talked about this. Uh, we did a bunch of Bob Stoops last year. Yeah. So I guess yeah, only, it right. only makes that's sense. Right. Do you guys think that, okay, so weird Nebraska angle. Um, and Dama Kinsu has become known for kind of being a one-year mercenary, right, the last couple of years in the NFL, and he usually sits out camp and stuff because he just doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, do we think that he's intentionally waiting to sign until like week two of the NFL slate so that he can be in Lincoln next weekend? Because all Nebraska, play? no, 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 all Nebraska has is the highlight reel of 2009, where Andama Kinsu was like, "I'm going to yeah. ravage Landry Jones over and over and over with like five turnovers." It would scare me if I saw Andama Kinsu <laughs> on the sideline. Like, he would, he would terrify me. I would avoid. Like I wouldn't want to film uh, film him. I would avoid him. Josh can be in the other end zone. <laughs> yeah, wherever he is, avoid at all costs, because that's a scary dude. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to it. Obviously, we'll preview that game all week. Um, it's gonna be a weird. I, what's the spread gonna be for that? I mean, I don't it needs to be seven. Like it, Nebraska needs to be perpetually no seven point seven. dogs. Nebraska. No, no, no. Like yes, yeah. In reality, yes, it needs to be more than seven, but the Huskers have lost ten straight games by one score. Yeah, like, of their losses, the, the major last spin 10. zone for sure for Scott Frost is that he is like blowout proof. They don't get blown <laughs> out; they lose at an unbelievable rate, but they do not get blown out. So that that's one thing he has going for him. That's up next: Oklahoma, Nebraska. Sooners are two and zero. 
wrap up the non-conference slate on the road in Lincoln. We didn't have a non-conference road game last year, so this is the first time that we'll be going on the road for a non-conference game. Who has been there before? It's been a long time. A lot of people in the beat. Nine, yeah. It's kind of nice. I was there in 09. I was not in the press box. <laughs> it's kind of nice because Ryan and I are, are, are younger guys on the beat generally, and uh, obviously the the real the real guys have been around a long, real long time. It's you know they've been in Nebraska like who, but there's a lot of people that have never. We're kind of even footing a little bit. Yeah, you know, talking you know yeah. people on the field like you ever been to Nebraska? No, I've never been. There. You know, so it's going to be kind of a new thing for everybody. Looking forward to that next weekend. So that's it. I didn't get my my goodbye read. I think I know it by heart at this point. I let's, didn't get it ready. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Catch the show, Spotify, Google, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcast. I may have left that one. Amazon, Amazon able device to say Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday, seven and a half. Take take Oklahoma per the Action Network. Oklahoma by seven and a half right now. I think that perpetually needs as long as Scott Frost is at Nebraska, they need to be seven and a half point dogs. It's like I dare you to, to yeah. bet on them to lose by more than a <laughs> <the> score. <laughs> we'll be back Wednesday. That's the next podcast, uh, normal time, um, as we put the fishy touches on this one. If we get a chance to go and watch it back, and then also, of course, look ahead to Nebraska preview that one. The Sooners and the Huskers next Saturday. Get to see our old buddy Casey Thompson again. One more time for the road um, as the Sooners take on Nebraska. And I presume Scott Frost will be coaching them. And uh, we'll talk all about that one on Wednesday's show. So look forward to that. On the road for the first time next week. Buckle your chin straps. It's going to be fun. So that's it for us. Back on Wednesday. Lots of content from this game on AllSooners.com. Lots more coming on Sunday. I'll see you on Monday, Tuesday, every day on Ulsters.com leading up to Oklahoma's Week 3 matchup next weekend against Nebraska. All right, that's it. Brian Chapman and John Hoover, it's 2 a.m. We're going to go to bed. Hoover's got like two-hour drive, so you going to make it? I'll make it. I, he's a machine. Hoover's a machine. There you go. Caffeinated. Hit that on cue on Lindsay. That thing's clutch. Um, so that's it for us. We'll catch you guys next week. Ulsters.com, place to be all week long, getting ready for Oklahoma and Nebraska next Saturday in Lincoln. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>